The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One-one pitch. Basketball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. We are taking a little ride on the ADP train. We're going to go through average draft position for outfielders, like all of them. Welcome to the show, Outfield Part 2. And only two of us today... Scott emailed me privately and asked if Chris could no longer be on the show when Scott was on. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't see why. I like Chris fine, but you know what? You, yeah, I can't share the spotlight, Adam. Come on. <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, Chris unable to make the show today. So Scott and I will handle outfield part two. And if you missed part one, we talked a lot about how to rank Acuna, Trout, Yelich, Bellinger, bets. Scott took Acuna number one overall in a 15-team Roto League, but we're all on on board with Mike Trout as number one in points leagues and number one in OBP leagues. And we're on board with Bellinger and Betts being definitively numbers four and five, however you want to rank them. We're going to get through a lot of other stuff today. We talked about some sleepers, some breakouts, some busts, how to approach steals a little bit. So let's just let's just go. Here we go, Scott. Round one, the first five picks are Acuna, Trout, Yelich, Bellinger, and Betts. And then we only have one more outfielder in round one. This is Fantasy Pro's average draft position. And that is Juan Soto. And then you got to go another 10 to 15 picks and the next three outfielders off the board there at the end of round two, middle to end of round two and beginning of round three, J.D. Martinez, Bryce Harper, and Aaron Judge. Juan Soto, J.D. Martinez, Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge. What's your opinion on that group of four? Well, Juan Soto, the Juan Soto markup doesn't make a ton of sense to me. He did have... I believe it was 10 stolen bases last year. So it's not like he's a zero for the category, but normally it was 12 stolen bases, actually. Normally when you see that kind of markup from a hitter, and like, why is that guy going so early? It's because, oh, he's he's that much help in stolen bases. I, I don't think we really have any idea what kind of help Juan Soto could be in stolen bases. Um, so it just seems to be, more than anything, just belief in the bat and I guess optimism it'll take even another step forward Uh, it doesn't seem worth it to me passing up he goes ahead of Trey Turner on average and uh yeah even some of the hitters like uh you know more the some of the already proven first round type hitters like Nolan Arenado Freddie Freeman I don't understand why you'd take uh Soto over them but that's where he goes so fair enough 
Like I even yeah. I could even I could understand it more in a points league because the strikeout to walk ratio is so good. The points per game average was really high. But even in a points league, you're you're emphasizing starting pitching even earlier than you are in, in Roto, which is what this ADP is for. And I can un- understand it in an OBP league because he's got an OBP Juan Soto of right around 400, two straight seasons. And his first two seasons in the league, the guy's got a 400 on base percentage. I asked you, I don't know, last week, two weeks ago, does Juan Soto have that like top five, that truly elite potential? I think I think you said no, but I'll ask you again. Did I? I definitely think in a points league he does. Like, yeah, yeah. But um, I, I, he's twenty years. Like what he's done in his age nineteen and age twenty season is is darn near unmatched in the history of baseball. But it's it's still you know a good but not elite batting average. It's still a good but not elite home run total in this environment. Thirty four is how many he had last year. Uh, obviously, a lot of runs because he gets on base, a lot of RBI. But I don't know. There's there are just there are just hitters that you can more uh, you can bank on easier helping you delivering a, a a game changing type batting average and home run total. So how does he compare? How does Juan Soto compare to the rest of that group? J.D. Martinez, Bryce Harper, and Aaron Judge, and you know Martinez. Based on the first two years of um, Soto's career, Martinez should have a higher batting average, but probably a lower on-base percentage. And it wouldn't be surprising to see him hit more home runs. He won't steal. He might steal 10 fewer bases. Uh, But then, you know, the counting stats could go either way. Mm -hmm. But So then you got Martinez, you got Harper. And Harper, you know, Harper has actually stayed healthy, I think, in four of the last five years. And let me just give a real quick stat on Harper. In his last four healthy seasons, he's been a top eight outfielder in points leagues all four times and a top nine outfielder in Roto leagues three out of four seasons. Uh, and he's been elite twice in his last five seasons. I don't think you – I get the feeling you don't love Bryce Harper. But anyway, uh, yeah. so talk to me about Soto versus Martinez, Harper, and Judge. So, yeah, I, I kind of think J.D. Martinez is going to – I feel pretty confident, in fact, he's going to beat Juan Soto in batting average and home runs. Certainly possible he doesn't, but I would bet on J.D. Martinez beating him in those two categories. And then the runs at RBI, like you said, it could go either way. So that's that's really where it comes down to, like, why are we investing more in Juan Soto? Is it just the 12 steals? Uh, if you could bank on those happening again, I get it, but I don't think there's... Like he could steal zero bases, you know. Manny Machado went from twenty-one year to zero the next, and it's just like it's not, it's not a clearly established part of his skill set, and it's not a big enough total to lead me to believe that's something the Nationals are really counting on him to do. Well, you can't uh, have both unless you take both of them with your first two picks, and you're not going to do that. Now you right. I, maybe you could get lucky and have like a late second round pick. You could in a points league I assume have both because pitchers are going to go so early. But you're not but we're not going to tell you to spend two of your first three picks on outfielders. So assuming you're not going to get two of these guys, how would you rank those four players? I will give Juan Soto the slight edge over JD Martinez and uh Harper third, Judge fourth. Just yeah. like they have them here. Okay, and Judge, you know, I Judge was someone who I probably changed 
or at least thought about changing my opinion on more than most players when I just kind of looked at the numbers, did the research. Underwhelmed. Uh, you know, on, on a per-game basis, just not as good as I thought he was. And one of the reasons, low RBI total, and some of that, like low for what you'd expect for a guy who could hit 40 home runs, 50 home runs. Some of that is hitting second. But his batting, at his slash line with runners in scoring position the last two years has been ridiculous. Uh, it was 275, 417 on base, 413 slugging in 2018. In 2019, 242, but a 440 on base and a 394 slugging. Aaron Judge has had a higher on base percentage than slugging percentage with runners in scoring position each of the last two years. Are they just pitching around him? Possibly, but it's hurting his RBI total. And I'm conflicted on him because second in MVP in 2017, he had over 50 home runs. He was one of the best players in baseball. Sure, he regressed in 2018, Scott, but actually his first 99 games before he broke his wrist, I believe, he had like a 950 OPS. He was awesome. Since then, it's been a year and a half of him being good, not great. So is is Aaron? what round would you take Aaron Judge in? And I think the answer is probably different in OBP versus batting average because he's much better in OBP. But where would you take Aaron Judge? I would take him probably toward the end of round three, or at least I would think about it there. Usually I'm kind of focused on pitchers, so I'm just happy to pass him up. But uh, the round three, beginning of round four range is where I look at Aaron Judge. And I, I think... He's answered the strikeout question pretty definitively. I mean, yeah, he's going to have one of the worst strikeout rates in baseball, but he impacts the ball. The way he impacts the ball is just on another level, and and that is held consistent throughout the injuries so that he's able to overcome it. He he hit 272 last year, and his XBA was actually higher. It was 281. Um, his XWOBA was higher than his WOBA. He underachieved according to the way he impacted the ball last year and still Hit 27 homers and 378 at bats. Had a 921 OPS. Uh, the biggest issue, and maybe it's unfair. I mean, Chris always says this is unfair to just to dock a guy for having injuries in his past. But uh, I mean, that's it's it's burned people pretty badly the past two years for Aaron Judge. And since he's not a base stealer, um, I'm reluctant to to pay up for for that even knowing the power could be 50 homers you know before we move on to the next group which is Marte, blackman springer and jordan alvarez who will include even though he's dh only does bryce harper have elite do you what are the chances that bryce harper is like a true stud league winner this year a league winner um I think last year is pretty close to the what should be the expectation for him going forward. It was a great year. 260 batting average wasn't great, but the on-base percentage was really good. 35 homers, 15 steals, 114 RBIs, 98 runs, 36 doubles. I mean, like he had it. I feel like he doesn't get credit for having an awesome, awesome season. I guess it, it started was a, off pretty bad. It the, did. The strikeouts were way up. He's so it streaky. Was, it was looking concerning. But he ended up having a very nice season. I I think we're past the point where we should be counting on him to be of much use in batting average. I mean, he's not going to sink you there, but he's not going to... Like, 300 batting average is not the expectation for him. So if there's a category where he's 
he limits you. It's that one. But 15 steals and 18 attempts. I mean, I like his chances of contributing in that category better than I do Juan Soto's. So you And he should hit 35 home runs, and he drives in 100 runs every year. So, yeah, I mean, Harper's good, and I, I really think in an on-base percentage league that's not batting average, I think he's... I, you could take him ahead of Juan Soto. I think you could take you could justify a top fifteen pick on Bryce Harper. Um, OBP league, yeah, I mean, he's awesome he, in OBP. Obviously, Soto gets on base a lot too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I it's, mean, it's like a thirty point difference. Even even though Harper's great at getting on base, it was like a thirty point difference last because year because the batting they probably have a similar walk rate. So it'll come down to batting average, and Harper's kind of all over the place in batting average. But yeah, I expect Soto to outperform him. I just think that Harper might hit. You know what? Yeah, you should take Soto ahead. But there's very similar in OBP leagues, I think. Um, At least based on last year. Okay, go to the next group here of outfielders. Starling Marte, Charlie Blackman. And we're into round three, by the way. Uh, Well, the the end of round three and into the early round four. George Springer and Jordan Alvarez. Marte, Blackman, Springer, Alvarez. Do they deserve ADPs in between 33 and 40 overall? Yes. They all do, and this is a range where I'm more likely to grab my first outfielder than the previous range. Obviously, if I have a top five pick, I'm going to get my first outfielder there, but I like the values of this group more. I think there's very little separating them in the previous group, and uh, Charlie Blackman, was it was one of the biggest shocks to me how he was going. It, It looks like he's moved up to early third round now. He was going in the fourth round. Yeah, we were all over that time. for months. Like, what is this is the best ADP in the world, basically. And, and now I, I, I have a feeling it may have had something to do with the fact that Dynasty Leaguers were mostly contributing to the early ADP values. And he's old. Uh, but he's still an elite source of batting average, elite source of run scored, going to hit you 30-plus homers in all likelihood. Doesn't run as much as he used to. Can't really count on him for anything there. But um, just so bankable. I can't George see Spr- taking Marte though. Like, I get it. I get why he goes this early. All, you have to pay up for speed. But and it, if you didn't get a speed, if you didn't get a base dealer with one of your first two picks, it, it, I I totally get why somebody would opt to take him in round three. He actually went at the end of round two in that same draft where I took Acuna uh, yesterday. We're in the fourth round now. Teams, that, the fifth round now of that draft. That's fifteen teams. It is 15 teams, so, so it was around similar to his what, ADP. 29th, and his ADP is 31. So yeah, yeah, so similar. Um, Alvarez, if you're in, if you play on a site that does count him as an outfielder, and ours doesn't, I don't think most do. Most have him just DH only, but there is no rationale for him to go as late as he does if he's eligible in the outfield. And if he's not eligible in the outfield, it's still pretty pretty weak, the rationale of him going 40th overall, basically. Um, so where do you think you'd take Jordan? Where would you rank Alvarez if he were outfield eligible? Would you rank if he him was outfield eligible, Judge? he'd probably be an early second rounder. I mean, he'd be up there wow. with like Arenado and Freeman. After, he, he, one, game, after one half season? I mean, he was he was up there with, like, Trout-level production. Obviously, he didn't steal any bases. Trout didn't steal many last year, but you can't count on any from Alvarez. But just in terms of the bat, that's how good he was. And it was the product—like, 
what was it? He had like 50 homers and 50 doubles, I think it was, between the majors and the minors last year. And the distribution between the two levels was pretty close to even. Yeah, he was amazing. He, uh, 27 homers, 26 doubles in 87 games. OPS of, let's see, 1,067. And great against lefties, great against righties, great at home, great on the road, great with runners in scoring position. Struggled a little bit. Struggled in the playoffs. They pitched him pretty tough. Seemed like he had some trouble with the lefties in the playoffs. But, um, yeah, Alvarez, he was basically the best hitter in baseball while he was playing. Or if, if not, he was on the extremely, extremely short list. That now, he was he was part of the justification, too. I didn't get into it yesterday, but he was part of the justification, too, with why I ultimately opted for Acuna over Trout at number one, because I figured looking at his ADP 39th overall, OK, I'm going to pick again at 30 and 31. There's a good chance he'll be there and he'll be. I'm hopeful that just purely with the bat, not counting the legs at all, he's something close to Mike Trout. And then I have Acuna's legs to go with it. And you're okay with Alvarez as a top 40 pick, even DH only? Like I said, I took him 30th overall. So, yeah. And if you play in a league on CBS, you need five appearances in the outfield to become outfield only. My guess is, based on his interleague schedule, that he'll probably have the outfield eligibility by the All-Star break. And there could be an injury. He could get it way before that. He could get it after. I don't know. It's a toss-up. But my guess is... He played 10 games in the outfield last year. He started nine of those games. Four of those nine starts were in National League parks. He could gain eligibility around the All-Star break if he only plays outfield in interleague games. If he plays in non-interleague games, it's going to be before that for Alvarez. Um, Is George Springer great? Because he sure was great last year, Uh, but that was (laughs) kind of an outlier. One thing George Springer always does he is he is just terrific. Over the last four seasons, he's been on counting stats. He's been on pace for 96 RBIs as a leadoff hitter and 123 runs in 162 games. That's been his pace for the last four seasons while mostly batting leadoff. But the batting average is way up, 39 home runs, 29.5% home run to fly ball rate. Scott, we've actually seen him be elite before. It was the first 99 games of 2017. He had a 973 OPS, and then then he had a quad injury, and he wasn't the same after that. So if Springer performs like he did last year, he's going in the fourth round. He probably should go in the second round. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, what do you think? Yeah, it was it was kind of an outlier for a guy who's 30 now. Uh, I had I had come to the conclusion that he was overrated heading into last year, that the production never quite lived up to the expectations, and he was just a total avoid for me in the early rounds. Now, when it looks like you can get him as a, at a discount, maybe, obviously, that's counting on him sustaining his gains from a year ago. Uh, it, it seems a little more worthwhile to me. I, 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 think he, I think he might have even been going earlier than this last year. I think he probably was. Now, not a lot has changed Weird. to his batted ball profile. He just hit actually, the ball harder. I don't think he barreled he it up more. I can tell you, actually. Okay. I, I don't have access to that information, so if you do... Be helpful to share. He was going in round five. Say, I take well this okay. time so last year, and I'm, I doubt it changed because I I write down ADP when I do the position previews. So I'm just looking at last year's position previews, and uh, he was going in round five. Is going after Cody Bellinger. Those are pretty good back to back picks. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next outfielder off the board was Lorenzo Cain in round six. Um, but Springer, I'll tell you what. I mean, even if he does regress, I like him a lot more in a points league because 
plate appearances really matter. He's going to lead off for the Astros. He's going to get a ton of plate appearances. He's safer in a points league. But, it, but I think you make a good point. There might not be that much of a difference between George Springer and Bryce Harper or Aaron Judge. So why not take the discount? Why not wait a round or two? You know, yeah, around that's what I'm thinking. I, yeah. Actually, he was better than both on a per-game basis last year. Uh, you mentioned you like him even more in head-to-head Head to head leagues. He was he was behind just Yelich, Trout, and Bellinger among outfielders and and head to head points per game. I don't want to sell Aaron. I feel like I'm selling Aaron Judge a little bit short. I still believe that with the ballpark he plays in, the lineup he plays in, and how hard he hits the ball, he could win the MVP. I do, but he, he's already he got is, a shoulder injury, and Scott mentioned the injuries already. He's he's the I, I I would say heading into every season at this stage of his career without any showing any skills decline, he's the odds-on favorite to win the home run title every year, even though injuries have obviously prevented that the past two. Okay, next group of outfielders will go to round four. Finish up round four. We've got Austin Meadows, Cattell Marte, Chris Bryant, and Whit Merrifield. This is an interesting group because you have. Marte and Merrifield, who are second base eligible, and Chris Bryant, who's third base eligible. I'll leave Bryant in there. I think we should remove the second base guys, right? Is that fair? Okay, sure. Yeah. So let's go with Austin Meadows, Chris Bryant, and Giancarlo Stanton. And we'll stop there because that's picks like 44 to 53 or so, round four to round five. Austin Meadows is more like pick 42. To 53. Austin Meadows, Chris Bryant, Giancarlo Stanton. Rank them. Austin Meadows, I kind of lump in with that last group, and I'm not totally sure, uh, you know, like with George Springer and and uh, I guess Jordan Alvarez to a degree. I'm not totally sure if it was, if they were quite as good as they showed last year, but they were so good last year. And, and the batted ball profile at least comes close enough to supporting it that... I am I am happy to make them principal parts of my lineup, uh, and in Meadows' case, you know he had 12 steals he pitched in too. Um, yeah, five good of them. Base skills doesn't strike out much. He stole a bunch, seven steals in his first 39 games, and then five in his last 99. But yeah, you know, still five and 99 is probably like an he eight pr- steal pace. He probably won't be a zero for the category. Whereas Stanton probably probably will be pretty close to zero. I, here's something I like about Stanton. It seems like the Yankees want to use him as their primary DH. And we've seen what that can do with these injury-prone players. Uh, David Ortiz. Nelson Cruz. Nelson, Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is the biggest. Oh, J- J.D. Martinez. Martinez. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not that David Ortiz was injury-prone, but I'm just saying it can pro- prolong your career. So, it's. I mean, it seems like the Yankees are going to have uh, Mark Talkman or Mike Talkman. I always forget if it's Mark or Mike. Tall Bachman. Mike. Mike Talkman in the outfield. Uh, and then Hicks will be back at some point. So it seems like they want to use Stanton primarily at DH. It's hard to pass up a healthy Stanton. You don't like... We won't get into Stanton. We talked about him a lot yesterday. So Scott doesn't like him as much as Chris does. I'm also pretty enticed by him. He's going around later than Austin Meadows. But, you know, Meadows... Oh, should I buy into Meadows? You know, it's he's so young. It's five category production. I understand he's probably not going to give you twenty steals, but he looks like a source of batting average too. On top of everything else, my biggest fear with him is just the Rays like to switch things up so much that uh, are we totally sure he's going to play every day? 
But it'd be crazy for them not to play him every day, right? After the year he just had. Yeah, he is. Is he a lefty or a switch hitter? He's a lefty. And he hit lefties almost as well as he hit righties last year. So, you know, that's good. He's just been a little bit streaky in his career. But Meadows was the number 19 outfielder in points, number 15 in Rota. Would you rather have Meadows or Chris Bryant? I'd rather have Meadows. Would you rather have Chris Bryant or Stanton? I would rather have Chris Bryant. Okay. Scott, we're about 16 outfielders off the board, 18 total, but removing Cattell, Marte, and Whit Merrifield. And we're Uh five rounds in. How many outfielders do you want on your team at this point? One. I mean, if I have two, it's not like it's a mistake, but I usually only have one. I think it would be hard for me to pass up Giancarlo Stanton as my second outfielder. I still believe that he's got a ton of upside. So does Chris. All right, so let's let's look for a second at 51, who's going around that range. Sure. Um, And then I'll bring up a broader point. So the last couple starting pitchers before that were... Aaron Nola and Luis Castillo, they went, they go 45, 46 on average. 52 right after Stanton is Charlie Morton, and then JT Real Muta, the top catcher, Keston Hira, who could be a five-category second baseman. I think the only guy I'd rather have Stanton over is, is Hira in that group. Mm-hmm. So maybe Stanton would have to fall one more round. Now, I want him over all of those guys. But Stanton is going to pick, like, 49th, two picks before Stanton is Manny Machado. I'd rather have Stanton than Machado. Wait, so you'd rather have Stanton than all those guys? You'd rather no, have I'd Hira rather... than all those guys. Stanton is the one I want least. Least, yeah. And then I, the exception is Machado there. And that's only 16 pitchers off the board, which is just crazy, because when we do the starting pitcher preview, yeah. like, points league versus Roto, it's going to be so different. Charlie Further Morton. down, 58, Zach Greinke, 59, Lucas Giolito, 61, Chris Paddock. I'm taking all those guys over Stanton, too. And uh, has Stanton gone in this 15-team draft I'm doing? Uh, he has. Okay. Where'd he go? He went 4-9, uh, so that's, what, 69th. 69th overall, yeah. just I, ahead of Charlie Morton and I think Zach Greinke. I think you can get better value than this on Stanton. Than 53rd overall, 54th overall. Because I'll tell you, I guess this is a world where 16 pitchers are going in the first 54 picks. I don't think I did so. That, I did that math wrong. 54th overall, not 69th. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> makes it uh, Well, that's exactly his ADP. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I guess I'm hoping you're in a league where pitchers get pushed up. You know, it's going to be a lot of our leagues. And you've got three pitchers at this point. You've got you know, like the basis of your pitching staff. And you just want a guy who has a lot of upside. I I still think Stanton does. You know, hopefully you can get him in the sixties. Uh, moving on to the next group. Before we move on to the next group, let me promote a few things. Scott White, the Facebook group. I know some people are having trouble finding it. If you type in fantasy baseball today, some people say they can't find it. I did tweet the link. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put a link to the Facebook group in the episode description. So check that out. The episode description, by the way, if you don't read it. I try to put time codes to give you some help. It doesn't cover everything by any means. But if you're looking for specific conversations, this might help. Just check out the episode show notes. Uh, We have a lot of other podcasts, like the College Basketball Podcast, ramping up right now. It's awesome. Uh, Fantasy Football, obviously, still doing three to four episodes per week in the offseason. We've got 
combat sports, golf. Check it all out, cbssports.com slash podcasts. And the biggest favors you can do for us is help our show grow by leaving us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you listen, but specifically Apple Podcasts would really help if you could leave us a review and tell your friends. This helps spread the word, get this podcast going. I'm happy to say we are the number one fantasy baseball podcast right now if you just look at the Apple charts. So let's get up Let's get up into the top 10 of all the overall sports podcasts. That would be awesome. Get us trending a little bit and give us a nice review. All right, next group of outfielders, Scott, is Eloy Jimenez, who had a huge September. Victor Robles, who we talked about yesterday. This is actually a pretty wide range. Jimenez is going 63rd. Robles is going 80th. Joey Gallo, Tommy Fan. Uh, once you get to 80, there's a run of outfielders. Eloy, Robles, then Gallo, Fam, Rosario, Soler. They're basically back-to-back-to-back-to-back. So it's Eloy, Robles, Gallo, Fam, Rosario, Soler. What do you think? Uh, the Eloy Jimenez love is a little much for me. Just like Vladimir Guerrero. And, and I mean, Eloy's, Eloy Jimenez's rookie season was better than Vladimir Guerrero, so I think it's a little more justifiable, but... In a best-case scenario, aren't we hoping Aloy Jimenez was just what Jorge Soler was last year without even taking into account that Jorge Soler became a much better contact hitter in the second half, just taking his 2019 numbers at face value? Wouldn't that be, like, as good as anybody could reasonably hope for from Aloy Jimenez? 48 home runs, a two seventy five ish batting average. I mean, come on. Well, I guess the only thing I'd say is that you probably shouldn't compare him to Soler because you've made it clear that you think Solaire is very underdrafted, and that's right. kind of your guy. So that's to me that argument's more about Solaire, not so much okay. about Jimenez. All right. Well, uh, like you're making fine. a good point that Solaire is is going too late. Now is Eloy Jimenez going too early? I would still say he is. I mean, he's going ahead of Joey Gallo, who is, I, I think, going to hit a if he stays healthy, hit. 15 plus more home runs. Um, <sighs> Gallo had such a high BABIP last year. I, and if he goes back to hitting 210, I don't care how uh-huh. many home runs he's hit, he's hitting, he should not be a top 80 pick. Well, he had a high BABIP profile last year, which wasn't the case earlier in his career. Like he was he was both a ridiculous strikeout guy and a ridiculous fly ball guy, and he went to hitting more line drives last year. But from the launch what I, angle, the from, average launch angle didn't change that much, but right. the distribution between fly balls and line drives um, was significant. Five percent so, higher. But but from what I understand, like twenty point six percent to twenty five point six percent. From what I understand, line drive rate is a fairly unpredictable stat. I remember Al saying that a lot. Uh, well, if you look at the second half of 2018, it was in that 25% range too. So it's like a season and a half of what seems like a, well, I guess it wasn't a season and a half because Gallup wasn't healthy for all of last season, but you know, it's, he, it's, it's uh, more of a sample than just, sorry. it looks like if you break it down year by year. And he hit to be to hit 30, oh, sorry, he hit 239 after the all-star break in 2018, and then Gallo in 2019 hit 253, and he got hurt as he was starting to really slump because his first 56 games, he batted 286, and he had a 391 Babbitt. Next 14 games, he batted 135 
with a 263 bat at then I was really curious to see where that was going to go with Joey Gallo. It's only 14 games and it may have been a little like disconnected. I don't remember if he came back in late September, but I I just wonder where that batting average would have ended up if he didn't get hurt in the middle of a slump. But I I my point is I'm not taking Joey Gallo like you talked about Fam yesterday. You're a little concerned about him. I don't think I'm taking Gallo. I don't like this range of outfielder except for Jorge Soler. I think. Okay, I don't end up much either. Though Gallo does seem like a fine value here. If like you took Trey Turner in round one and took a couple of pitchers in rounds two and three, and you're really behind in power production, I think uh, I think Joey Gallo, 82nd overall is a better way to make up ground there than Giancarlo Stanton 51st overall. That's a big difference. It uh, is. And, I think I think when you draft Joey Gallo though, you have to change your approach. Like you have to supplement him with batting average guys. So you take him and then take uh who is it? Was it Luisa Rise that we were saying is like the safest bet for batting average? Take Brian well, Reynolds as an outfielder. Late. I wouldn't want to do that because Rise is going to give you nothing power wise, so it almost cancels it out. I, I think you're discounting the possibility of Joey Gallo hitting 250 or at least 240 again. But you might be discounting the possibility of him hitting 210. I might be, but I I really like the changes to his batted ball profile in the last year and a half. So okay, um, so I'm okay with that. Great news, by the way. I just learned that the Fantasy Baseball Today group on Facebook is now facebook.com slash fantasy baseball today. No, facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy football today. Baseball today. Wait, here we go. <laughs> fantasy, Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. All right, everybody wins. <laughs> so do uh, you think we're starting to see a drop in the overall outfield pool at this point? I think it comes right after this. Give me a 10-second thought on Eddie Rosario. He is steady but unspectacular and really no hope of becoming spectacular. And that's kind of the difference between the group he's a part of and the previous group with Gallo and Soler and even Aloy Jimenez. I'll acknowledge Aloy Jimenez has upside to be more, but to go 20 picks ahead on average of the rest in that tier, the Gallows and Solaires, and that's just a bad value. But yeah, Eddie Rosario is probably going to be decent in batting average, going to be decent in power, going to be decent in everything, but steals, but isn't going to be spectacular at anything. All right, let's knock five more outfielders out here. Continuing the theme of not counting second base eligible players, so we'll get rid of Jeff McNeil in this discussion. We're now into the 90s, so we're going to like round eight, round nine. Marcelo Zuna is seven picks after Jorge Soler, five-ish pick, five to seven picks after Soler. Ramon Laureano, Luis Robert. Chris kind of called him a bust, didn't like his average draft position 100th overall because the White Sox don't steal bases. Nick Castellanos and Michael Conforto. Um, Okay, a lot of outfielders start coming off the board once you reach pick 80 into the 90s, the 100s. So this group is Ozuna, Loriano, Luis Robert, Nick Castellanos, and Michael Conforto. This is a number two it, outfielder for you? It's it's in the range, yeah, where I'm often drafting a second outfielder. I mean, I'm thrilled if I get like Jorge Soler as my second outfielder, you know, but it doesn't always work out. So 
Yeah, yeah, this group, in Loriano and Robert, you're starting to see kind of the the people at least hoping for steals with those two. Um, There's kind of a, a wave where you have a second chance of padding the steals totals in a way that's not going to sink you in the other categories, hopefully. Obviously, Luis Robert... Very wide range of outcomes there. But among those outcomes is like a 30-homer, 20-steal season. Would you rather have uh, Loriano or Robert? What? Loriano or Robert? Um, I was talking about Robert, but I don't know that that's outside the realm of possibility for Loriano. His overall ceiling is lower than Robert's, but in 123 games last year, so about three quarters of a season, he had 24 homers and 13 steals. So yeah, 30-20 season might be possible for him too. Who would you rather have? Uh, more of a long shot, but it's 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 there. Who would you Castellanos rather have? is obviously. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You have not answered the question, Loriano oh. or Robert? Oh, who do I want? I I thought you were asking who I was talking about. Oh no, no, sorry. No. I'll go for the upside of Robert. Okay, I, I think that Loriano might have a little bit more steals potential because when he batted in the middle of the order, he did not run. He batted fifth 26 times, and he stole one base. When he batted leadoff, or he batted seventh, rather, he stole seven bases in 30 games. So, you know, if they don't hit him in the middle of the order, Loriano, he might be able to run a little bit more, and he had a 43-steal season in 116 games in the minors. So I'm hoping there's a little bit more potential there. I actually sort of come around a little bit on him. I, I mean, he's been solid two years in a row. 832 OPS, 860 OPS. Just needs to steal more bases. Yeah. Big difference between points league value and roto value. He's terrible he's plate discipline. Pretty good yeah. at batting average. Decent at steals. But yeah, it doesn't walk much at all. All right. So then how would you rank Ozuna, Castellanos, and Conforto? And do any of them have potential for greatness how many of them have potential for greatness i would rank them um hang on let me double check here i would rank them i think i want to move castellanos ahead of ozuna but it's a close call between those two and then conforto is going to be third of that group for me conforto is definitely the one i'm least interested in drafting in a five by five league because he's really not much there's not much hope for a decent batting average there. For well, for a good batting average, we've gone so roto heavy. Four points league listeners. I thought you'd go with Ozuna. He's been about the number thirty outfielder two years in a row. Three seasons ago, he was the number five outfielder. He's a top five, number four in roto, number five in points. Two years ago, he had a low home run to fly ball rate. Last year, he had a low BABIP. But each of the last two seasons, Ozuna has been top thirteen in hard contact rate. Thirteenth in two thousand eighteen. Sixth in 2019, and from I remember you saying how unlucky he was with his batting average last year at mm-hmm. 243. So I, yeah, I mean, I kind of 288 I, was his XBA. And I like 41. I like his ADP going 93rd overall. Oh, I do too. I, I think he's it. one of the most underdrafted players. I want I like one of these. A lot too. Yeah, I, I want one of them. I want Ozuna or Castellanos. Now, if I'm in a three outfielder league, maybe they're my second outfielder. If I'm in a five outfielder outfielder league, I'm fine having three outfielders at this point. I really am. And you might not be. I mean, I know you go a little bit later, but... No, I mean, we're getting into the range where I might be adding my third outfielder, too. It's, okay. You know, we're in the middle of the draft now. 
talked about Castellanos yesterday, so let's move on. Andrew Benintendi, let's go through the next four picks. That will give us 10 rounds of outfielders. Andrew Benintendi, Reese Hoskins, Trey Mancini, and Michael Brantley. Benintendi, Hoskins, Mancini, and Brantley. Mancini and Brantley are my favorites here, even though they're the ones going last. If you want to talk about points leagues, I'm not even saying this is necessarily Lee Mancini's better format. It, it probably isn't, but he had 3.43 head-to-head points per game last year compared to like Austin Meadows 3.48. They were they were right next to each other in head-to-head points per game. And then he was ahead of Jorge Soler, Chris Bryant, Aaron Judge on a per-game basis. Trey Mancini actually outperformed him last year. Mancini is being totally disrespected, I feel like. And uh yeah, he's he's somebody I'm happy to happy to take as my second or third outfielder because I think the changes to the batted ball profile mostly back it up. He I was lukewarm on him heading into last year because he was such a bad fly ball hitter with bad plate discipline, but both of those got a lot better, and he got better. He still doesn't hit the ball very hard, though, Trey Mancini. Not terrible, okay. but but it, it was um, 37.1%, which is really pretty bad these days. I, average exit velocity was 90.3, which is above average. Okay. And he's hit 290 in two of his three seasons. Uh, Benintendi, Hoskins, do you see breakout potential for these guys? Benintendi was a top 10 outfielder just two seasons ago. I know, but... I don't know how. I don't know how. Like, I look at his numbers that year, like, (laughs) how? (laughs) Just played a lot, I guess. Uh, Counting stats. Yeah. I, um... You look at what he's done over the last season and a half, and it looks like Nick Markakis... Not only and... that, Scott, 2018 when he was that good, he had a he had a 27 game stretch where he hit 10 of his 16 home runs, and he's pretty much he hit... garbage the rest of the year. Yeah, he hit two home runs in the entire second half that year. So it was like, the power's just been missing. He doesn't hit the ball very hard. He puts the bat on the ball pretty often, but that's that's the best thing he has going for him. He's not even running that much anymore. So I am. He's too young and has too good of a pedigree to completely write him off, but I do not see. I it it just feels like a like a like a lottery ticket type pick here because if he's basically the guy he's been for the last season and a half, it's it's not a good use of your draft capital. It's true. It's not enough of a discount for me. Yeah, and Benintendi, there's one thing though that could give you some hope. He did hit lefties better than ever before. In fact, he hit lefties pretty well. 269, 358, 438. He just struggled against righties. Uh, 264 batting average is very low for him. So if he can take those left-handed gains, and that's been a huge issue for Benintendi. If he can take those gains hitting lefties and get back to what he was against righties, in 2018 he hit 305 against them. Then he might actually put together a solid season. But... uh, yeah, he's just not. He just really hasn't been that good. Brantley, thirty fourth outfielder off the board, just not. The only thing is age. I mean, and he he had a bad September. He had a five fifty two OPS in September. Before that, he had a nine twenty five OPS. So if you were smart and you ended your season by September, you got a great outfielder. But he he was fifteenth in points, twenty first in roto. I know he's thirty three. He's gonna be thirty three in May. 
It doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. I mean, he's better than the 34th outfielder off the board. He's a lot better. And he's great. Yeah, and I, I think his skills are appreciated better in points leagues. I, he tends to go at a more in a more appropriate range there. Uh, 3.35 head-to-head points per game. That was right in between Jorge Soler and Chris Bryant. A little behind Trey Mancini still, but nonetheless. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, I think... I think people mainly look at home runs and stolen bases when they're sizing up a player's roto value, and he doesn't stand out in either of those. Brantley doesn't, but you know he's going to hit 20-plus home runs, provided he stays healthy, and he's going to be a great source of batting average. He's in a lineup that should allow him to pad his run and RBI totals. Let's see how he did in those two last year, 90 and an 88. So uh, I think... I mean, I guess there's probably still the lingering health question for him. Okay. The last year was his first healthy season in quite some time. Yeah. That's Brantley. Or actually two years in a row of being healthy. Michael Brantley we are talking about here. All right, let's. so, Scott, I think now we're at a point where outfielder, you know, look, I'm, there are definitely players that we're going to like, but there's a drop-off. And there's a drop-off in average draft position because Brantley's going 117th or 118th. And then Oscar Mercado's going 10 picks later, 10 to 12 picks later. So that's basically a full round. And you just, like, I'm not saying Mercado can't be better than Brantley, but you, there's an obvious difference there between the two players, right? So you've got Mercado, mm-hmm. Yasiel Puig. There were rumors that the Rockies were a front runner. Those rumors were kind of shut down. Uh, Max Kepler. Now, that's a guy who had a really good year. Kevin Biggio is also second base eligible. Kyle Schwarber, who Scott likes a lot. I will tell you that Kyle Schwarber, the Cubs, saw the second fewest at-bats against left-handed pitchers last year, which might have contributed to his very good season. He was like a top 25 outfielder, 24th in points, 26th in Roto. Uh, but we'll take a look at this group here. Mercado, Puig, Kepler, Schwarber, Danny Santana. Uh, well, not Santana. We'll save him for the next group. Mercado, okay. Puig, Kepler, Schwarber. You want these guys? Uh, these next couple groups, I feel like I don't... Well, I do draft from them a fair amount, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I do see... I, I do see that Schwarber as having more upside than, than I was granting him at this time a year ago. Uh, but I just... I tend not to take him at his going great here. I, I like Max Kepler nine picks earlier much more. I think Max Kepler is one of the most underdrafted players in fantasy this year. I presume it's an issue of, okay, he's probably not going to help you in batting average. He's probably not going to help you in steals. So nobody is really paying up for him, but the overall production was pretty spectacular last year. Can I ask and, you a question? Uh, Tell me how crazy you think this is there. I've seen teams, the Red Sox come to mind feel like the Blue Jays, like when they had Bautista and Donaldson at their absolute peak in Encarnacion, they have these crazy years, and then everyone gets worse. They just regress. And I just feel like the Twins are that team. Uh, like Nelson Cruz basically had his best season ever. Kepler, best season ever. Um, everybody was good. Every, like, everybody was good on the Twins, you know, pretty much. And I just don't feel like they're going to be able to duplicate it. There's, I don't have a very good statistical fantasy analysis for it, but it just seemed like they overperformed so much. The way we're talking about Sano, you know what I mean? 
Well, it was a blessed year for them. Uh, did Kepler's production probably peak last year? 36 probably. Homers. Yeah. Did Mitch Garver's? Yeah. Mitch Garver, did exactly. Exactly. On a per game basis, Sano's probably did. Cruz was more or less what he's been for the past five years. Uh, um, not really. He was on pace for 53 home runs and a 311 batting average in 155 games. He only played 120 games. He had 41 home runs. Like the okay, twins, something was in the water fair, in Minnesota. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right, man. 1031 Crazy. OPS for Nelson Cruz. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I I don't I don't I think law of averages says that some of those guys won't be the same again, right? Yeah. I don't know that you can apply that universally across all of them or really pick out the guy who's going to drop off unless unless there are obvious warning signs, but I don't see them for for this group. I mean the the ones I'd bet against most are Nelson Cruz and Josh Donaldson because of their age and and obviously Donaldson wasn't even there last year. No, he's going to be better. You know what? This is our next cheating scandal. I'm telling you. <laughs> our next scandal. <laughs> All right, so you like Kepler there. Do you like Mercado? 130th overall. Um, I just want to say for Kepler, since you made me feel guilty about the points league, the lack of points <laughs> league discussion here, Kepler was 3.55 head-to-head Ooh, points per game. Very good. Which was ahead of Harper and Meadows. I mean, it was, you know it was top 12 at the position. I'm guessing it's because of plate appearances because he did bat leadoff against righties. So that's why I love leadoff hitters in points leagues. That's why well, I like... and he doesn't strike out much. He struck out 99 times. Yeah, tr- sure. That That's probably a, a bigger part of it. But the point, but it's a hidden thing is the plate appearances. Uh, yeah. Mercado, all right, interesting guy. 25 years old, 269 batting average, 15 homers, 15 steals in 115 games. Yeah, I don't like I don't like him. I think he's one of the more overdrafted ones here. I think this is where people are reaching for steals a little bit because they've already missed out on. I don't know. There's some interesting steals targets after him. I just I don't think I don't think even in a best case scenario his steals output is going to be like he's not going to be a thirty steal guy in all likelihood. And he makes really weak contact. It's another Victor Robles situation, except Victor Robles has the top prospect pedigree. I don't know that. I don't know if 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 Robles. I'm, I'm sorry. What's who are we talking? Mercado. Mercado. If Mercado is slumping, that they're the Indians are going to just keep running him out there and and let him work through his troubles. I have some pretty serious interest in this next group of outfielders. And by the way, it's become apparent to me that based on how far we are into today's show, we're just going to finish up outfield tomorrow. We'll do, I guess, like some leftovers, plus your emails and news and notes, and we'll do starting pitcher on Monday and Tuesday. Man, uh, imagine no, on if Thursday Chris was here. Yeah, I know. Well, I'd, I'd be shutting up, and he'd be more concise than I've been. Uh, <laughs> but I, I like this next group here. Danny Santana, I'm not sure I like him. Really slump bad at the end of the year and has – had a, a pretty lousy career before 2019, but Danny Santana, who's eligible just about everywhere, Framil Reyes, uh, David Dahl, Tommy Edmond, Malik Smith, Kyle Tucker. So Santana, Danny Santana, Framil Reyes, ton of power, David Dahl, Tommy Edmond, Malik Smith, Kyle Tucker. I kind of like it. 
I like I, there does some definite sleepers here. Tommy Edmonds, one of my favorite steal sources to draft. I think he does have a pretty good chance for 30 steals if he gets the playing time. And I think he will all over the place. He's been playing shortstop even this spring. Um, just eligible at second and third in fantasy. I'm sorry, at CBS. So not even eligible in the outfield to start out, but he'll pick that up pretty soon. Um, and yeah, Kyle Tucker, we talked about him last time. This looks like his best opportunity to have a break to, to play and break out during the, uh, during the last three seasons where he's really been on the radar to do that. How far did we go? He was the last one. It was Fran Mill. Okay. It was Danny Santana, Fran Mill, Dahl, mm-hmm. Edmund, Malik Smith, Kyle Tucker. I really think the only one I could see myself not drafting is Danny Santana. The other five of them, I mean, Reyes, they're sort of specialists, right? Like Reyes is a power specialist. Dahl uh-huh. at this point looks like a batting average specialist. Edmund, maybe some batting average and some steals. Malik Smith is the special. Like Malik Smith, 162nd overall. I think that's tremendous, especially with the Mitch Hanniger injury. I just think it keeps him in the lineup. It makes him a safer bet. I understand he's bad. Like, there's bust potential for Smith. He might not be able to hit, and they might just bench him. But yeah. he could lead the league. He led baseball in steals last year, and he's going 162nd overall. That's insane to me. Well, the danger of investing in Smith is if you're investing in Smith, you're pri- you're counting on him to be your primary source of steals, right? You probably don't have steals distributed between as many other players as, as if you weren't drafting Smith. And so then if he loses his job, what happens to your steals total? So I I think that's a great point. I don't know that you should just sacrifice steals and be like, well, Malik Smith is my guy. I think what you do is you, if you're trailing in steals, like you have some, and you take Malik Smith, well, then you, you see what happens. And if he is a steal source, it, it lets you trade somebody else or trade him. Um, but I just think in a vacuum, you're looking at a guy who led baseball in steals last year. It's wild to uh-huh. me that he's going 161st overall. Well, considering Tucker and Edmund and even Danny Santana, who is going the earliest among this group, even though I probably draft him the latest, they should give you a healthy amount of steals and they won't do it in the ways that hurt you it's like malik smith does it won't be as many steals as malik smith but i just don't like to concede that much for the steals total because you're you're conceding basically everything else except for maybe batting average and and that's a big maybe because he hit about 220 last year yeah but (laughs) if he leads off you might get some runs out of him i get it i get it but kyle tucker doesn't have a job as of well, we don't know. I mean, it's funny that Josh Reddick has actually been better two years in a row against lefties. So it, I don't know what that means. Like, does Kyle Tucker play against righties? You're right. I right? just think they need to bench Reddick. Yeah, I, just I don't know. I I haven't really seen anything along the lines of what their plans are. I shouldn't but... say that Tucker doesn't have a job. I should say we don't know. Yeah, but it's Springer and Brantley for sure. It's Alvarez at DH, and then it's it's Reddick and Tucker fighting it out um now Brantley and and obviously Springer have some injury history too so Tucker seems like he should play do you think Framil Reyes or David Dahl could be great players I think there's a scenario for each of them yes I think there are some limitations some some things holding them back some skill changes that would have to be made for them to to do that I mean David Dahl 
doesn't have great plate discipline and doesn't uh, elevate like we in in the way that's optimal for power. And then Fran Mill Race doesn't have great plate discipline either, and in fact makes contact at a horrible rate. So, um, but he has big time power. It's the ball like elite level exit velocity. So there, there's a chance for each of these guys. They're both young enough that I think they could still figure things out and take a big turn for the better. But even just as they are, they're they're pretty good. I mean, they're certainly worth the draft pick here. In fact, David Dahl is a guy I find myself drafting a lot. Yeah, it's hard to find batting average this late for sure. So, well, but you can get Brian Reynolds. Let's go. Our last group of outfielders here. Uh, I think there are six of them, and this will take us through 180 picks, which is uh, 15 rounds. So, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Chris likes more than you like him. Lorenzo Cain, Al called him a sleeper. Willie Calhoun, you called him a sleeper or a breakout yesterday. Willie Calhoun, just like a tremendous season last year. 174th overall, 48th outfielder off the board. Brian Reynolds, I don't really see a reason why he shouldn't have a good batting average. Mm-hmm. And Aristides Aquino, who probably doesn't have a job, right? Does not have a job. No, I would I would doubt it. He is the only one of the Reds outfield cluster that has minor league options. So that's where he's probably going to begin the season. That's Aristides Aquino. And Byron Buxton will be the last outfielder there. So... We're not going to talk about Aquino. You probably shouldn't draft him. They they have added two outfielders and moving Nick Senzel to the outfield too because they added a second baseman or a third baseman and moving someone to the... So anyway, no Aquino. It's Lourdes Gurriel, Lorenzo Cain, Willie Calhoun, Brian Reynolds, and Byron Buxton. What do you think? So I like drafting Calhoun if I need power at this point. I like drafting Reynolds if I need batting average, like you said. And he's not... He's He's not useless in in power production. I think he's I think he's one of the more underrated players just in a, in a general sense. I'm I'm actually writing a column today uh most underrated according to ADP and I ended up leaving him out because I rank him similarly to where he's going here. But I like drafting him at that value. Uh it, it's he gets pushed down because there are some exciting options ahead of him and his upside is limited by comparison, but his expected outcome isn't that much worse than it was last year. And So this is Reynolds. Let me just give the numbers. Yeah. Brian Reynolds, 25 years old. He batted 314 with 16 homers and three steals. I guess my question is, why do you think that he's anything more than just a good batting average source? And he hit 312 in the minors. He hits a lot of ground balls. He had a pretty good line drive rate, 24%. So I buy the batting average, but yeah, why well, is two, uh, why shave off else? twenty points off the batting average? Let's say he's a two ninety five hitter instead of three fifteen. Yeah, he did have a three eighty seven Babbitt, but what else does he do? Well, I, I'm just saying he's not he, he's not uh, like a non power hitter. It's not another Luis Arise situation. He hits sixteen home runs in one hundred thirty four games, so I think twenty twenty ish is a reasonable expectation for him. And he's on pace for forty a, doubles. More probably yeah. more than that, or around that. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Okay, no, that's 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 true too. You like Brian Reynolds, uh, the rest of the group, Byron Buxton. You we like Willie Calhoun. How about Lorenzo Cain versus Lourdes Gurriel versus Byron Buxton? I d- all right. Say them again. Sure. I'll go in ADP order. Lourdes Gurriel. Uh huh. Lorenzo Cain. 
Uh-huh. Byron Buxton. Uh, well, Buxton and Kane could help you in steals. And so that alone might make them more interesting. Obviously, there are the usual health concerns for Buxton. He hasn't, he's already dealing something. I think he's coming back from surgery and they're not really sure what his timetable is. I think that's the story with him. But his value is, it continues to drop every year. It's about an all time low now. So it's not a bad gamble. It's like a fourth outfielder type in a roto league specifically where you need that steals help. Uh, Kane. Kane's batted ball profile was pretty close to normal last year, and the production was way down. So I know Al Al Melchior, when he was on, he made a case for Lorenzo Kane as a sleeper. Um, I I think even if he gets back to hitting well, I wonder if his steals contributions are going to be enough, if they're going to be like what they used to be. But he's not going to be a zero for the category. And apparently Avi Garcia could spell Lorenzo Cain in center field a little bit. Garcia is supposed to split with Ryan Braun in right field, but might also get involved there in center. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I, in terms of overall ceiling, Lourdes Gurriel is probably, probably the highest. But we saw like the, the, the data, the batted ball indicators are pretty strong for him. They're... They make him out to be almost like Brand Mill Reyes in terms of how good of a middle-of-the-order hitter he can be with bad plate discipline still, especially in terms of the walks. He actually doesn't strike out too terribly much, Guriel, but um, it was just over such a short span of time. And there was, he was so ridiculously hot in May that I just wonder how much of that is uh, is carrying those. Yep. Totally. The 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 the, the stat cast data. If that's if that's inflating it, it was, just because it was he June. didn't have enough of a season to really normalize, you know. Yeah, it, it was June. It was May and June, but he played seven and games okay. in May. And yeah, no, he was hot in May. He had a nine nine sixty four slugging percentage in May, but it was seven games. And then in June as well, just tremendous six eighty three slugging percentage. Uh, July he batted two fifty five with four home runs. August he batted one seventy nine with one home run in only seven games. So he did start slumping, came back in September, batted 250 with one home run in five games. So if they're all on the board there, would you take, how would you rank those three, Byron Buxton, uh, Lorenzo Cain, and and Lourdes Gurriel? I actually would rank Gurriel the highest in pursuit of the upside there, but if I specifically needed steals, then I'd pass him up for the other two, probably going uh, Buxton ahead of Cain. Buxton, 60 steals in 68 attempts in his career. One thing that hurts him, though, where he's always hurt, and he bats ninth. But he can steal bases for sure. All right, that's outfield part two. That's uh, 180 picks worth of outfielders, more than 50 of them. And we'll talk about some other guys tomorrow that might be values. Hunter Dozier, J.D. Davis, Adam Eaton are the next ones off the board. Andrew McCutcheon, before he got hurt last year, was a top 20 outfielder in points leagues. Uh, I might be selling him short there. What about... Uh, Garrett Hampson, Alex Verdugo, Joe Adele. Does A.J. Pollock have anything left? Is he going to play enough? Uh, David Peralta I'll make a case for. So we do have some more. Oh, my guy, Shogo Akiyama. His ADP is going to rise. This guy's going to bat, lead off, and steal some bases for the Reds, and he's going 280th overall. Are you kidding? Can't wait to and, talk about it. And we still haven't gotten anywhere close to where Mark Canna's going. And that's, that's wild. 
That's the guy I want in all of my life. And no Barbazara. All right, our favorite (laughs) late-round outfielders on tomorrow's show. Thanks for listening. Talk to you. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.